0: Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Mike McNutt, Director of Education and Events. Welcome to the podcast. Just a reminder, Weedy is the preeminent national membership association for health IT guidance and collaboration. Recognized and trusted as a formal advisor to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Weedy is the leading authority on the use of health IT to efficiently improve health information exchange, enhance care quality, and reduce costs. To learn more about Weedy's member benefits and educational offerings, please visit our website wedi.org. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Shweta Manyar, Global Director, Life Sciences Solutions and Strategy for Google Cloud, to the podcast. Shweta leads vision, strategy and execution of Google Cloud's industry product strategy and go-to-market model. Prior to joining Google, Shweta contributed as an executive at Genentech where she led market growth strategies relevant to technology accelerators for therapies and diagnostics. Previously, she directed the Center for Minimally Invasive Therapeutics at Soma Health Systems Hospital and worked in research roles with the Cleveland Clinic and Scripps Clinic. Away from all that, she is an Indian classical dancer and instructor, as well as an avid almond farmer, and I just had some almonds earlier, with a passion for international travel, culture, and cuisine. Shweta, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me today, Michael. Really appreciate it.
0: No, it's going to be fun. Now, before we go into AI and healthcare and Google Cloud, love <laughs> to talk about um, international travel. What's some of the places you've been to? Where are some of the places you've been to? And uh, your top two best foods, best cuisines.
1: Oh, well, you're catching me at, I would say, somewhat of a biased moment. I had the opportunity to spend um a few weeks in japan recently nice. yes and it, that was a fantastic trip i was went there for work and then uh we hung out there for pleasure after my work was done and took the time to tour around some of the country and uh i would say my favorite food is i'll give you a very specific thing so i've always loved all types of noodle soup bowl ramen mm-hmm. pho etc but my favorite, favorite food dish, and if I could go back to this restaurant, I would, uh, is a restaurant by the name of Engine Ramen in Kyoto, and it was the a bowl of vegan ramen mm. uh, that I'm I'm not even vegan, but it was the best meal I've had uh, in a in a very very long time. So that's my favorite. Um, I love to go. I love to go to France. Um, South America is another great place to visit. Uh, so there's there's always many many places to revisit. Um, and, uh, hopefully there's some places, some new places to also visit in the near future as well.
0: Definitely. Definitely been to a lot of places, but yeah, Japan is one. I definitely, it's on the bucket list to check out just not only the food, which I definitely love, but also just kind of walking around Tokyo. It's just such, from what I've seen, it's such a lively, bright, fun city. So it's very interesting. Can't wait. I I really want to get there sometime soon.
1: Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Awesome.
0: Uh, Now, before we go deeper into healthcare, we'd love to learn more about you. Um, The origin story, as we call it, uh, a lot of our guests, we start with the origin story. What are those inspirations, aspirations, and motivations that got you here today into healthcare?
1: So I've always been relatively self-motivated, but I didn't know at a young age what I was going after. So my, my father instilled uh, values of community service for, uh, from a young age for me. Uh, we used to go and plant flowers and flower boxes together in my local downtown, cleaned up roads uh, and parks. And, uh, you know, at that time, I, did, you know, I just thought it was a fun activity to do. I didn't realize it was something that was, you know, part of, you know, what it meant to actually be part of the community and contributing and that we're part of this kind of larger ecosystem. Then I got into high school. And I started to, you know, that's when you start to understand a little bit more about the world. And I joined, um, I was still part of the, the, you know, the the community government and what, you know, what's happening in the city. So I joined and became um, a lead in our Youth Advisory Commission, uh, where we got to help and provide inputs on what does the youth want in, you know, the next park that's going to be built. Or, hey, we need a skate park or we need this. And that that was really fun. That was just fun for me. It was fun to have a big piece of that it's funny because now uh, I have now moved back to the same town that I grew up in, and now I see my kids playing in those same parks That's that awesome. I had something to do with when we put together, right? Uh, but now, um, now I, you know, I did all these things. It was about community. It was about, you know, instilling some of these things. And now I took that or I realized that what that actually meant is now taking this into the healthcare and life sciences space. I would say these experiences of giving back and being part of something of a bigger part of a community uh, actually really did bring together my outlook. Um, one of the prior roles that you mentioned was uh, working in tech transfer in a hospital system uh, that brought together researchers uh, from universities and community hospitals to help think about, well, how can you take what a researcher is doing it and apply it into a commercial setting? What does a surgeon need sitting in the hospital? So when I arrived to that job um, about how do we commercialize these ideas and tech transfer, I realized that there wasn't even anything to commercialize mm-hmm. because researchers and the hospital surgeons and physicians, they were too um, uneasy or they were too scared to even share their ideas. And so the biggest part of that was how do you create trust? And hey, we're part of a bigger ecosystem and this is how we can share. You share, you share your research We can figure out how to apply it. Um, Then when I moved over to Genentech and moved into pharma, I saw this at another level. People were excited about talking about technology, right? What's the next mobile medical app? Um, You know, all the IBM Watsons of the world, the Googles of the world, you know, they say that, you know, technology is going to be um, that silver bullet on how do we, you know, how do we fix all the problems that that the industry has? And, it still was about how do you get different groups of people to understand and talk to each other in a measured manner. And that was the same thing about working in, you know, even frankly planting flowers and working side by side with people of the community from all walks of life. It really forced you to help think, I know it doesn't sound like it's connected, but it really has Mm -hmm. uh, brought in the outlook of, you know, it's not just about I'm right and you're wrong. Um, There's always ways to help you understand well, why is this way? You know, why why do I, why is this my perspective? Why is that your perspective? And bringing that together, so now being at Google allows me to bring my passion for the healthcare and life science industry, um, and how do you use technology to give back to the industry? And so we get to take the vast amount of um, technology that Google is well known for, and then apply it to the healthcare and life sciences industry in what is going to hopefully be the most meaningful way to enable healthcare and life sciences to do what they do best. No, no that's really,
0: fantastic that's because, uh, and, and yes, they are all connected because what we're doing is we're breaking down silos and by breaking the silos and establishing a greater level of communication, it will yield better results. Sure. Within your own silo, you could probably yield some pretty decent results, but just think what's, what's the person right next to me doing? What's the person around the corner doing? Let's bring, especially, you know, your the history of putting together a park, yeah, let's focus on if the kids the skaters. Well, we have seniors, we have other people. We have to incorporate all these people, and that makes the experience a whole lot more enjoyable for everyone. So that's what we're trying to do in healthcare, right? We're trying to break down those silos yeah. in order to create a better healthcare experience. So, and with Google, you know, you have all the technology and resources. So, um, looking up Google and news and healthcare, it's a lot about AI right now. So, so let me know. Uh, tell tell our folks. What's what's the latest? What's the Haps? What's going on with Google in terms of healthcare and AI?
1: So it's a very exciting time for I think uh, for everyone right now um, in in the technology space and personally, of course, uh, bias. uh, You know, I'm being very frank about the bias that I have for. And I think it's very exciting for healthcare and life sciences right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Google was founded right on this concept of bringing more information to more people uh, is going to vastly improve lives, right? If you can do that at a scale. And so we see that organizations are trying to build solutions on our platforms and they're trying to leverage the different Google Google innovations to transform how their healthcare or their life science industries um, operate or how their companies operate. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, Some of the tools that Google has, we won't go into the specifics from a tech perspective, but actually how that technology is applied. Um, Last year, we announced um, the Medical Imaging Suite, which was an AI-assisted diagnosis diagnosis tool or technology that's being used by uh, various companies, Hologic is one of them, to improve triaging for cervical cancer diagnoses. Um, we also have Hackensack Meridian Health, who's also using that same technology, the medical imaging suite, to help predict metastasis in patients with prostate cancer. Um, there's also other other AI-powered solutions that we've also uh, we've also announced that have to do with supporting um, the using AI for uh, in drug discovery efforts. With um, how do you help? model how do you help create more of a predictive model for how do you uh, look at your drug discovery uh, and so there's quite there's quite a lot of things that are happening in that area in terms of what our Google tools are but then also trying to take a look at uh, trying to take a look at how you're deploying um, AI to uh, think about it from a human centered design approach mm-hmm. uh, when you're thinking about that, Michael, you can you can think that all of these tools that are coming from Google, it's not just about the technologies or the products, but it's also how do you methodically create them so that you're looking at uh, not only improving the people's lives, but how to build all of these tools in a mechanism of fairness, uh, thinking about inter, interoperability, thinking about privacy and building all the safety in all of these systems. So there's a lot that's going on. With AI and healthcare and life sciences, but hopefully a couple of these examples are helpful for you right now.
0: Nope, they're fantastic. I look forward to hopefully having you on more in the future to talk about more of these. Maybe our conference coming up in May, cheap plug. But uh, (laughs) speaking with Shweta Manier with Google Cloud here on the collective voice of Health IT. Now we talk about AI. Um, It seems that it's been here for a while, but it's been kind of in our consciousness. Only for a couple of years, and the evolution of AI has been just absolutely staggering. Um, Not only in our general way of life, my wife is constantly going to chat GPT for the most basic things instead of just, you know... Can you just ask me? Maybe I know. Nope, I'm going to ask ChatGPT. I'm like, all right, fine. Uh, But not only that, but in healthcare, an industry that has typically been hesitant, traditionally, not all the time, but typically has been hesitant to adopt emerging technology at this pace. Um, From a regulatory perspective, from a healthcare perspective, are there any drawbacks at the speed in which AI is growing and the speed in which healthcare is adopting it? Do you see anything like, hey, maybe we should slow down a little bit? Um, or are we moving at the proper pace?
1: So this is a question that I get asked actually quite, uh, quite a bit. And I'm and, and I absolutely understand why. So maybe I'll put first the the perspective out there. And then we'll kind of talk about the rationale of how we're approaching it. So AI has that, like I had mentioned, right, has the opportunity or has a potential to democratize knowledge, to increase that interoperability, accelerate discovery, enable, you know, hopefully that personalization of care down the line, right? Where that medicine is only made for Michael or that medicine is only made for Shweta, and we are, you know, very, very engaged in our in our in our healthcare system. Um, and I remember uh, there is a survey that was conducted by Deloitte where they shared that more than half of US consumers believe that generative AI could improve issues around healthcare access, and could shorten wait times in medical care. But part of building this trust in this type of technology is that you have to be—you have to be so methodical, and you have to choose areas where you can focus, where you can control the environment, you can control the scale from there. Uh, and I think so. It's not just about the speed, but it From my perspective, I think it's how do you have individuals, companies, the departments of the companies, the different business units, I mean, and then the ecosystem build trust in this technology, right? This is, and we think that we're we're certainly in a very new era, but this is how it was when first um, the internet was created, right? This was still, it was part of, for very few people were not sure how to leverage it. You know, there was the whole world's information was not yet on it. Then we moved into mobile and then suddenly you have the Internet that got taken to mobile and everybody realized that now you've actually got a computer in your pocket um, at all times. And how do you leverage that? And I know uh, this is not exactly the same thing, but this is, you know, the concept of how you adopt technology. Now you just can't even imagine your life without that smartphone in your back pocket. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is the same thing, but you have to because we're talking about the healthcare and life science industry or any regulated industry, you just have to be methodical about that. So it's not, I'm not talking about the speed of it, but in the way that you test, it has to be in a controlled environment, choosing use cases that are uh, less risky that, uh, where you can actually test this before you try to scale this. And then not just, you know, the industry doesn't just have to do that, but how do you create the transparency mm-hmm. to give the confidence to everybody who's using this technology? Not just the IT folks who are using the technology, right? Not just the technical folks, but the healthcare providers who are actually receiving on the other end of like, if they're telling you, you know, if the output is saying, you know, choose medicine A, B, C and not X, Y, Z. That healthcare provider should have full confidence in the system mm-hmm. about why this you know the output of this algorithm is telling you to choose this medicine over another, and so I think that really is going to require transparency to give the confidence that ethical principles are being followed, you have to confirm all of this data. That that, that that the data that's being used for the training models are collected responsibly without prejudice towards particular groups or individuals. I mean, there is so much effort that goes in on the back end in order to make this a trustworthy technology that can be leveraged by the industry. And I know I'm going off, you know, much longer maybe than you expected, Michael, but this is a, an area that I think is really important because I firmly believe technology is the least. Of you know the, the least it's the least difficult part of this entire evolution. What it is is how you apply it in the industry and how you get people to trust into this technology, that's where the lift is. Yep. And you have to be very methodical and clear about that.
0: Yep. And you have to, when you're dealing with technology and you're dealing with patients, a lot of folks are still healthcare is usually is, is unique, it's one of those industries where people still want that face-to-face. A lot of people still want to write stuff down as opposed to dealing with, you know, like I know when I take my kids to the uh, their, their doctor and they give me the iPad, I'm a little annoyed. But it is technology, <laughs> you know, like it's one of those things where I, I, right. I, I'd be fine with a doctor who would advertise to do house calls. I'm like, I like that. You know, I'm old school. Let's do that. You know, like I, I remember when I had to, you know sign up for my classes, standing in line in front of three, four computers in a hall. Now it's like, oh, you got to pick your classes. Yeah, I got them right there. I'm done. I'm like, really? Wow, that's cool. I used to wait outside and order pizza while we had to stand out there.
1: But you know what, Michael, I'm just going to interject for a second. I have no problem about iPads and filling out my information on the iPads in the waiting room. My issue is actually Why do we have to rewrite our name 10 times in our health history?
0: Yes. I just had to check in to my, I have an appointment next week and I'm checking in. I'm like, oh, well you have all this information, right? And it pulls up the screen and it's all blank. I'm like, I've, I've been a, I've been a patient here for years and you don't have my information.
1: And these are, this is a perfect example of, there are so many applications of these new, of this new technology where you can do this on what is, you know, I'm going to call it repetitive administrative tasks, mm-hmm. right? And of course it has to do with, um, you know, personal health information. And so all of this has to be done again, part of that trust building that I had just mentioned, but that's exactly it, right? These are the use cases. It's We will certainly see how it is going to support drug discovery and this, and right. but there are some very, very easy, low hanging opportunities uh, where we can just, Uh, take care of some of the repetitive tasks that will help make it a better experience for you and me and everyone else to be part of the healthcare system, right?
0: Definitely. Definitely. I'm looking forward to the opportunity of not having to fill out my stuff again and again and again. (laughs) I get updates, but still, you know, like I know my name, you know my name. I don't have to retype it. Uh, Speaking with Shweta Manier here with Google Cloud on the collective voice of health IT, uh, let's shift over to the patient side. We started talking patient. Let's go fully into patient experience here. Uh, recent regulations, I mean, we just had um, a regulation drop yesterday from CMS um, and emerging technology that we discussed, AI, um, have seemed to join forces to grant the patient unprecedented access to their patient information, uh, allowing them to be a more active participant in their healthcare experience. You know, oftentimes it's just like, yes, doctor, no, doctor, I understand, doctor. All right, thank you very much. Here's my money. Now you can kind of really control that information. Um how do you see this newfound ownership benefiting the healthcare industry, benefiting a Google? Um, And are there any challenges that the industry needs to address with this enhanced ownership and kind of not only my hands, but potentially other people's hands in my patient data?
1: So I think this is going to benefit the patients. And I think this is going to benefit the ecosystem, right? This is not a benefit of technologies or anything like that. So, as you mentioned, right, people are getting more active in, active in getting access to their personal health information as a patient. You know, when you and I were growing up, we had, uh, you know, you go in, the doctor says you've got strep, you listen to the doctor, you take the medicine that they say, and you stay home, right? And, that, you know, that's kind of how it worked. Now here, you're coming into a time where people, you have Dr. Google, right? And you have all of these web MDs, and you have, you know, people are looking for how to manage their their sickness through um, videos, through YouTube videos. All of this, people are becoming stewards of their own information, not only through formally through the health system, but also more curious and have access to information. Right. So we have a healthcare system that is more reactive. Right. We are not a proactive healthcare system overall. And sick care only concentrates on treating any kind of illness. But if we were to do well care, you could prevent that, theoretically, prevent that sickness or that disease in the first place. So to me, it's not just about all, you know, I think it's fantastic that we are becoming now stewards of our own patient data. And I think having access and understanding, and theoretically, one day it'll be so seamless that you move. From New York to Texas, and everything travels with you, and you'll never have to do anything but maybe a click to make sure that you that when you go to the doctor at Texas, they have everything for the last you know forty plus years. However, having said that, I don't think it's actually about the, just about having access to your patient data it's about how do you you know how does the ecosystem work, you know assuming you have consistent interventions available. Are you and me, as a patient, are we equipped with the right information and the right data mm-hmm. to ask our doctor about these interventions for our health? You're, we are making the assumption that what we're reading or what's you know coming you know what we're looking at um, in our different social media feeds is giving us the right health information. Okay, good chance it's probably not right. So what if people don't have the actual? Uh, my concern is more around what if people don't have the actual understanding to make decisions Mm -hmm. about how to take charge of their health.
0: Literacy. What if
1: people don't, exactly, exactly. What if people don't adopt the behaviors that you need? Like if we're, you know, think about parents or grandparents, if suddenly they become, you know, here's a virtual folder of all your health information. Do they know what to do with it? Right. Will they actually take the right action on what they need to do with that? So that's, I think part of it is we have to be, you know, yes, we are being able to take more charge of our patient information of our own selves, but we also have to make sure that the ecosystem has to move. Maybe it has to be more of a hybrid and, and, and environment where we go to a hospital as a last resort, um, but it's not just about having access to data. It's actually having the ecosystem and the infrastructure around it so that people are actually enabled to have access to that information, understand what that information means. So that's why, I started with saying, it's not just about, you know, having access, you know, the empowered patient with access to their information, but it's about well care, not sick care. It's about equity and access to information for everyone. Then being an empowered patient is going to mean something.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you definitely need that literacy idea because you're going to have all this information now. Like it shifted from yes, doctor to what do I think? I need to be the ownership. I need to be the steward of, of, of my, you know, healthcare information. Um, yeah. Now let's shift even closer to, you know, uh, even more personal stuff. We've gone from, you know, Google and the healthcare, we've talked about AI, and we even talked about, I want to ask about almonds later. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I want to talk about, you know, your position as um, a woman leader in this business, in this industry. Um, You are still on the executive uh, committee of Springboard Enterprises Women's Health Tech Hub, which is a program designed to catalyze the growth of women-led companies across the tech space for healthcare devices, diagnostics, and information uh, for a whole host of things. Um, I mention this because I want to talk about women in healthcare leadership uh, and the unique challenges they often face. How have you addressed those challenges and obstacles and barriers uh, of being, as as I've read, the only, in quotes, in the room? And, and what advice can you offer women and other onlys in navigating this industry?
1: So I'm really glad that you asked this question because uh, I don't think we often hit it uh, head on. And I think it's something, maybe particularly as a female, because you've had to be in a room where you are the only, right? I get to be the only female, the only female of color, the only female of color with, you know, within a certain age range or whatever. Um, you feel like because you're the only, there's no one around there to help you. And I think it's because then you have this thing of like, you, you've you got something to prove that you deserve to be in this room. And so I've certainly made my mistakes uh, which have led to long nights of working and trying to backtrack. So one of the things that I have, and, and I, I am not, have not perfected this, but I'm learning to become more proactive in prioritizing everything ruthlessly. Uh, it's a work in progress, and it, has, it will never be mastered, but being able to prioritize ruthlessly and ask for help. I think has been the two biggest things of whatever type of only. And this is not only for the onlys, but it is something that I think came to light even more over the last uh, decade or so of my career. And the other piece that I have found extremely helpful has been finding mentors. And it doesn't have to be a mentor that's also an only, but having a group of people that might be considered, you know, you've got your formal advisors whose jobs are to say yes and encourage you and move you. And then you've got what I kind of call like your kitchen cabinet, right? Where these are people, these are trusted people here that they could be the same career and 15 years ahead of you. They could be, you know, same, you know, same stage of, you know, career, totally different industry. Some one piece of it to be common but these are the people who are such trusted advisor. They will call you out when you are totally off off base. They will give you everything in the most truthful way possible. So you've got your formal mentors, but I think you need to also have a group of mentors, advisors, however you want to use whatever term you want to use that you are, that you can really go to, to have and provide them with what's happening, get their advice, um, and then use that to help think through. So, uh, That's how I also look at help is as, you know, it's not just help from a day-to-day basis, but it's also helping to think through if you are the only only and how do you, how, how, how do you find other onlys? How do you find Mm -hmm. people? And the other thing I've learned, Michael, is you might be the only in the room, but you are not the only that, you know, you're not experiencing whatever you're going through for the first time. Mm -hmm. But if you are vulnerable enough to talk about it with somebody, they will tell you what they did in that situation. And I think that's been the biggest learning for me. And so not only do I have my own kitchen cabinet, but I am a part of many others' kitchen cabinets as well. And I think that's uh, that's been a huge, huge part of um, growing as an executive is being able to provide these interactions uh, from both sides.
0: Oh, well, I, I like the kitchen cabinet. Uh, but I I really like it it all kind of comes back around to what you opened with the story about what your father had you do and what you were doing uh, earlier community you need that community you know however you define the scale of that community you need that community around you to support you to mentor you to learn from you etc so so really it kind of all comes back around I like the way a good podcast it all comes back around I appreciate that thank you so much for that uh, that was excellent advice. It was all
1: planned. It was all planned. It was perfect. It was all planned.
0: I love it when a plan comes together. Um, no, that was, that was excellent. Thank you so much. Excellent advice. Um, you know, definitely ask for help out there. Yeah. You're not alone. You're not on an Island, you know, and if you're on an Island, seek help, you know, like, you know, don't be on an Island, you know, try to, try to, try to get that community. To excellent advice. Uh, thank you. Uh, such a fantastic leader in the industry. Um, and a fantastic podcast guest. Thank you so much. Um, before I let you go, is there anything you'd like to plug, recommend to our listeners?
1: You know, I would just leave it with this philosophy. You know, we did talk about community quite a bit um, and string that along through today's uh, today's conversation, but I think I'll leave everyone with uh, a mentor shared this advice to me on on, on leadership and how, how you go through your career. Uh, it's not just about Moving from A to B, it is about how you bring everyone along from A to B. And so we are all really important parts of the healthcare and life science industry, whether you're a tech company, you're a patient, you're a healthcare or, you know, company or, or entity, you're a life sciences organization. But we need to keep that in mind, right? That it's actually about bringing everyone around, along. And as I had said earlier, technology is actually probably going to be the easiest piece it's how do you bring trust and build the ecosystem and infrastructure around it so thank you so much for today
0: no it's my pleasure this was awesome and I did want to ask about almonds how how is yeah. the how is the milk made i'm I'm totally confused <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I will tell you yes almond milk is actually made um you you, you know contrary to all the jokes right you're not actually milking an almond. Almond milk is actually created with um peeled almonds okay. that are then uh soaked in water and then blended up into and then you know you remove you know put it through a strainer remove the the uh the pieces or the fiber mm-hmm. but um once you blend it in water that is actually almond milk. That's it. If you were to go home, yeah if you were to go home and have completely peeled almonds, right, without the brown skin on it and put it and soak it in water overnight throw it in a blender with some fresh water blend it up that's almond milk you put it through a cheesecloth or a strainer you can have like more you know cleaner almond milk without kind of you know the, the kind of gritty pieces of almond in there but that is almond milk
0: why did i think it was more complicated i, I don't know uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's it i could do that today you can. <laughs> I'm going to go do that today. <laughs> thank you. Not only did I learn about community, not only did I learn about Google and AI work, I've learned how to make almond milk. Excellent. It's like a triple aim here in podcasting. Uh, <laughs> Google Cloud, thank you so much for being an awesome guest. And I look forward to having you back. And I look forward to hopefully having you and Google be a part of Weedy Education in the near future.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Uh, this has been the collective voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast where the healthcare IT community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find all our episodes as well as information on our association on our website,
1: wedi.org. Thank you for joining us and be safe.